Try that. Proverbs chapter number three, and I want to call your attention to verse number 13 for our Bible time that we have together this morning. Honored to be able to be here. Pastor Barton, thank you for the privilege of preaching again on this Thursday morning. Certainly don't take it for granted. We're grateful to the Lord for his ongoing blessings in our life. I think revival, though, may have already come. I haven't seen Shanna in forever, and she's here today, so I think she's got right with God. And revival is certainly coming to these parts of the country. I didn't know if her husband had her under house arrest or what, but I'm glad she's here this morning. Love the Barton family, love the Lanning family. I, I thank God for the vision of Pastor Randy C. Barton. He had a vision, and it's coming to pass, to get the gospel to the regions beyond. And only heaven will tell the whole story. It's all true. Only heaven will tell the whole story of a, of a man with a vision. And I thank God for Brother Barton's vision. And we're believing the Lord that he would continue to do that that only he can do in New England. I say this every year when I come down here, but I was discouraged from going to New England. In the 90s, early 90s, getting our funds together, people would tell me over and over again, don't you know that New England is the graveyard of missions? And I would simply say to them, well, that's where we're going. Do you have anything else encouraging that you'd like to say to me? I had people tell me, well, they said, well, we've known a lot of missionary families go there and lost their families. And I went, do you have any other things encouraging that you'd like to share with me? It's amazing the things, and I'll be speaking on some of this this morning, but it's amazing the stupid things that we say sometimes. Will you allow me to say that? That's a strong word, but we need to be wise in what we say. Certainly wouldn't want to ever discourage someone that had vision to go to a, a region beyond that maybe doesn't seem like it would fit our mold, but when you put the Lord in a scenario, it all works together. God is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. He's able to do that, and we're careful to give Him the glory. Our academy's watching this morning. I greet them up in Sanford, Maine. Uh, one of the teachers just wrote on our, on our uh, text messaging, and said that if one student even whispers, they're disciplined out of class. And so they're pretty serious about this. They want to hear what God has to say. Well, I'm burdened about this passage here in Proverbs chapter 3 and, and verse number 13. I'll ask you to stand in just a few moments as we read the Word of God. Uh, and uh, just hold on just a minute. I'll have you stand in a moment. I'm burdened about this passage, this whole passage of the book of Proverbs. And I, I would... I would only pray that God would uh, allow what's in my heart to come out supernaturally. Preaching is a, at times can be mysterious. Would, is anybody here that would help me this morning? At times it could seem a little mysterious. You can't really put your finger on it. And, and you know, especially you that preach in the same pulpit time and time again. And I think for us about 11 to 15 times a week I'm preaching. And uh, it's so amazing. You'll preach in one place and uh, the old timers would write about this in their biographies, really their autobiographies and, and they would write, I was preaching, especially Burridge in his history of the main Baptist would tell about our John the Baptist which was Isaac Case and we would read his memoirs and he would say I was preaching uh, there 
in a, a community in Thomaston, Maine. And, and I was met with the mighty blessing of the Lord. And there was great liberty and there was great clarity. And, and God's power was evident in my life. And I give him the glory for what he did. And then he would write in the next. I went to another location and it was fraught. It was fraught with great struggle. Same man, same message, different location, different atmosphere. That's what I'm speaking about when I'm saying at times preaching is mysterious. And uh, I'm burdened about this text. Uh, 35 years ago, I went on a great exploration for three things. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I was challenged by an old-time preacher man over here in the mountains that if you're going to do anything for God, you'll have to have wisdom. You'll have to have knowledge. And you'll have to have understanding. Apart from that, you won't accomplish much in life. And so I went on a great exploration. Uh, and I've been doing this exploration for about, about 35 years now. Every single morning, meeting with God and asking Him for these three great triplets. The triplets being wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And I, I'm going to ask God to do something for us this morning in this passage of Scripture, in particular in the areas of the first one. And I'm going to ask God to help us in this area of wisdom. I marvel, though I've been saved a long time, and I marvel, though I've been in the gospel ministry now for 33 plus years, I still marvel at how often I do foolish things. You said, preacher, you would readily admit that? Well, you'd want me to be a preacher of truth, wouldn't you? I just want to be transparent. After all of these years of seeking wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and after all these years of begging God to help me not to say something when I shouldn't say it, begging God to help me to speak a word in due season, after all of these years, I still find myself acting foolishly at times. And this morning, as I've prayed and sought the face of the Lord, I'm sensitive in asking God to help all of us to come to an area where we can be wise about how we do things. Amen. Wise about the ministry. Wise about how we orchestrate the things that God has put upon my heart. And wise about how we uh, interact with the brethren. And wise about our comments about different movements of God that are going on around the country. We've got to be careful when we say something because to backtrack that and to do it properly, we believe in old time restoration or at least we used to believe in it. When we do something that we ought not to do, we believe in restoration. We believe that we ought to go back and make things that are wrong right. And so if you say something that you ought not to say and you don't make that right, that's what the preacher's talking about. That's that unconfessed sin. And I'm here to report to you this morning, there's gonna be no touch of God upon our life whenever we walk in the sin of pride and arrogancy because we said something that we shouldn't say and we're too proud to go back and make restitution and to go back and rest restore that situation. And then we get defensive. 
And then we start running our mouth even more. Well, I tell you, it should have been said. Well, you don't need to be ugly about it. Usually when you're defensive, that means you're guilty. If somebody comes to you and says something to you, uh, you know, I, I believe this about you, and you just simply say, well, I'm sorry you believe that. It's just not true. But if you get defensive, it might be you're guilty. If you're wondering about how to be wise about dealing with situations, have a Christian school with 85 kids in it that are watching this morning. You, you can learn wisdom real quick. I bring them into my office and I'll say, hey, I, I heard this. And they go, what are you talking about? I'll say, you're guilty. <laughs> you don't need to say anything else. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And there's a, several areas this morning, and for time's sake, especially after we heard about all the food that we're supposed to be eating over the next three days, I'll be sensitive. But for time's sake, I'm gonna deal with two or three areas this morning as we get into this great discovery and exploration primarily of wisdom and asking God to help us with wisdom and to see our wisdom advance and to see our wisdom increase in our life that we stop making foolish decisions and, and stop getting involved in foolish activity and stop hanging around individuals that are foolish that are dragging down our testimony and dragging down our power and Ask God just to give us a little bit of an infusion of wisdom that we might just be able to understand that's not the wisest thing that I could do. I'm going to stay away from that. Let's stand together, shall we? And read Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 13. I love the first word of it. It says happy. I was happy before Duck Dynasty. But I like it when they go happy, happy, happy. I was happy before then. I'm happy now, and I want to be happy all the way till the end. Some people are just ornery. They're just in a bad mood all the time, and some of them call themselves preachers. Now, I know none of them are here this morning, but some of them might be watching. I love preachers. I'm, I'm in New England trying to... Im- 27 plus years trying to impact New England. I want to be an encouragement to preachers, but some preachers are just unhappy all the time. Could it be because of this text? Happy. What's it say? Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Could it be that wisdom has been elusive in their life and they've not found it yet? Come on, let's not get deep here this morning. It's not just this simple biblical interpretation. Happy is a man that finds wisdom, so the man or the woman that doesn't find it are going to be unhappy. That wasn't too difficult, was it? So you said, what does that make me want to do? It makes me want to find wisdom. And if you really want to find wisdom, you're going to find it in Jesus Christ because he is wisdom. When you find him... Or better yet, he finds you. Everything changes. Glory to God. Woo! Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. I hear, I hear my distractors all the time. Some of them are bold enough to even put it on an internet without asking me. <laughs> you said, is that wise? No, that's foolish. You should never do things like that. The Bible talks about gossip. The Bible talks about tail-bearing, and it never says anything good about it. Quit being a keyboard coward 
and quit being a phone coward. If you've got something to say to somebody, go to their face. Man up. Woman up. Quit being a coward. You got something against somebody, go tell them. Don't hide, be- hide behind some sissy keyboard and keyboard coward your way through foolishness. We got to stop this. I said we got to stop all this foolishness. We need wisdom. Sometimes the wisest thing to do is say nothing. Go ahead and be seated. You know, it just irritated when they were, when Jesus was being mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. It just irritated them. The prophet Isaiah would look down through the telescope of time and would t- teach us this great truth hundreds of years before it ever came to pass. He would say he was bruised and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And I'm just finishing up, reading through Mark right now, and just finished up Matthew the other day in my Through the Bible reading, and it just irritated them when Jesus said nothing. One of the greatest things we can learn about wisdom in life is there's a time, and I'm finding out that it's more than often when you just don't say anything. You just say nothing. And there was somebody who wrote me the other day and, and had a great turmoil in their life and a great turmoil in their family and their family's fractured. And I just simply said to them, I'll have to pray about that. And it's been days and I'm still praying about it. I wouldn't want to give them foolish counsel. I want to give them the counsel that helps them and encourages them. The Bible says in our text, and I'm only going to choose this one because rarely in the book of Proverbs do you even find a context. There are a few, but rarely do you even find a context. So this will be somewhat of a topical type as we look at different passages of Scripture. And for time's sake, we won't look at many, but I'm pulling this out, and it is somewhat of a context because it begins to teach us about wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. That's the happy man. There's around six biblical definitions of happiness that is found in the book of Proverbs. And again, I hear our distractors often say to me, oh, here comes Brother Bell. He's always happy. He's always, you know, on the top shelf and everything's good and God's blessing. Churches are being started and people are getting saved. Don't, isn't that the ideal for all of us? I mean, have you ever tried to be around people that are constantly in a bad mood or constantly everything is on a, on a down note or everything is on a minor note? I like it when you get on the major side of, of things and you can really shout it out for the glory of God. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and happy is the man that getteth understanding. Oftentimes our life is fractured because we don't understand what's going on and we're unhappy and we're miserable because we lack the understanding of what God's doing in our life. We don't see what God's doing in our life. We don't understand what he's doing in our life. But once you understand what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is doing in your life, there's a happiness that comes over you. There's a joy in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Look with me in your Bibles at chapter four and verse number seven. Wisdom, read it with me please. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the what? 
Wisdom is the principal thing. It seems to me like we should be talking more about it. And that's what I've discovered over the last 35 years of, of dissecting the Proverbs every single day and enjoying chapter two this morning and delving into the truths of chapter number two. You know, you think about reading through the Proverbs for 35 years and you think about reading chapter seven for 35 years. Are y'all with me? Do you know your Bible? And you read chapter seven for 35 years and you think twice before some old crazy woman comes up to you in your church and does something to you that she shouldn't be doing to you. You said, no, you're a strange woman. I've read about you for 35 years. No trespassing. Get out of here. Now, we all are what we are by the grace of God. But you do gain a lot of wisdom when you read about the strange woman. Now, women, don't bow up on me. There's some strange men out there also. And you read about them all through Proverbs. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, and there again, bear with me. I'm just preaching from my heart this morning. Uh, but just bear with me. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs to make no friendship with an angry man. Do you realize that if you're one of those that's always down and you're one of those that's angry at this person and angry at that person, that you're really not going to have any friends. Because God's command is to make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. The Bible is telling us, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's what the Bible's teaching us. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's not that the reason why we tell our young people, you're not hanging around with that person. We love them. We want to see them come to faith in Christ. We believe that God's able to save them, but you're not going to be friends with them because they will pull you down. And I know we get cocky. All of us get cocky, including the preacher that's preaching. We all have these times in our life. Well, I believe I can handle it. No, we can't handle it. We need to have areas of separation in our life. We love people. We care for people. We win them to Christ. We eat with sinners at times. They come to our house and eat at our house. And we win them to Christ. But we don't go out and act foolishly because we don't want to wreck our life and ruin our testimony. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the, the first. It's the best. It's the chief. It's the beginning. Wisdom is the principal thing. And I heard an old time preacher man, Jim Whitted, he's in heaven now, uh, but he would tell us in Bible college and Bible institute, he would holler at us and come across the, the pulpit at us while we were in, uh, in class and scream at us and say, young men, young men, Go to the Proverbs. Go to that poetical book and ask God to give you wisdom. I heard that. That was 35 years ago. And I'm still after it. Wisdom is the principal thing. Look with me in verse number 20 of chapter number one. Wisdom crieth without. Wisdom's crying. And uh, he's Wisdom, she's crying without, she uttereth her voice in the street. Wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge. And oftentimes we use that definition. It's a great definition. I've got definitions from all types of places that define this word for us. But in country terms, we know what wisdom is. Wisdom is what you know and putting it in just shoe leather. There's a lot of people that don't, 
have wisdom. They have some knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. Wisdom is the right use and exercise of knowledge. Uh, listen to this. It's the choice of, of laudable ends. It's the choice of something that's praiseworthy or healthy. It's the faculty of discerning or judging what is most just, most proper, and most useful. Wisdom says, don't just choose the good things. Wisdom says, choose the best things. There's a lot of good things we can get involved in. And there's a lot of good things that will wear us out. But what we need to be is wise. And we need to choose the best things. You said, I'll tell you what. And, and, and some of you are looking at me like uh, you know our habits. And you said, you shouldn't even be saying something like this. But uh, oftentimes people say, I'll tell you what, I believe you ought to burn the candle at both ends. Well, your life's, you can do that, but your life's going to be limited. Because wisdom says to take care of your body. Wisdom says to have proper sleep. Wisdom says uh, to make for sure that you nurture your body in such a way as that you can be your best for Christ and you know you don't abuse your body. Wisdom says to take care of your... You said, Fanny, Fancy, you're saying something like that. You're wide open all the time. You don't know my habits. Don't presume my habits because I have a sleep clock. I sleep a certain amount every single day. Don't presume on my habits. You don't know my habits. You don't know how many hours a day I spend alone with nobody bothering me and nobody distracting me. You don't understand. I have certain things that I do. You said, what is that? What is that sleep? What is that alone time with God that you spend in the secret place or in studying the word of God? I'll tell you what it is. It's Sunoco Racing Fuel. That's exactly what it is. I'm just gonna put it in racing terms this morning. But it's something better than Sunoco Racing Fuel. It's Holy Ghost Fuel. You get alone with God and you get alone with him and you sleep right and you sleep properly and you eat properly and you eat healthy. My goodness, when you get up in the day, whoop, 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 you got all kind of energy. And my wife last night was testifying, I've got to hang around this guy all the time. She don't need to testify. She's on Sunoco Racing Fuel also. <laughs> Wisdom says to take care of yourself. Wisdom says to sleep right. Wisdom says to eat right. Wisdom says don't just choose good things, choose the best things. Now I understand all this. I'm used to preaching in New England so I actually don't even need amens. I appreciate them. I really do. I love it. But when you preach in an area that's not used to it, people just look at you. And you can't discern from their looks so you listen to the prophet and the prophet says don't let their looks bother you so you just look at the top of their head and every once in a while you glance down to their eyeballs and it's go, whoa, that was ugly. And then you get right back up to the top of their heads. I heard a preacher come to New England one time. He was from Louisiana. He didn't know what to do and the whole time he preached like this. I thought we had spider webs. I wanted to jump up there and say, hello, we're up here. Wisdom says don't, don't do foolish stuff like that. Wisdom gained by experience is of inestimable value. <laughs> right? You can read all day long what you want to read and have a Hitachi EX120. My dad bought a Hitachi EX120 to do all of his earthwork and you can read all day long the manuals but there's nothing like sitting in that seat and getting those joysticks in your hand. Oh, the greatest thing I've ever bought, 
I bought it several years ago. The greatest thing I ever bought was a D3. Now, I know you have a D6. I know your story is better than mine, but I'm telling my story right now. I bought a D3, and it's just it's been the most exciting time I've ever had. You're talking about anger management. Get on a bulldozer. You'll have anger management. Honestly, you get on that thing and you put the blade down and it makes you want to be like Tarzan. Oh, it's just like all man stuff. You got to have wisdom to do stuff like that. I never drove a bulldozer. I've drove equipment my whole entire life. We built all of our own buildings and do what God, I never drove a bulldozer. I didn't know what to do. I, couldn't, I didn't understand what a bulldozer was. And I was praying on that thing and the thing kept digging in and I'd go back and look at my path and I said, dear Lord, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Of course, we have rocks in Maine too. And I looked back, I said, how ugly? I said, God, if you don't help me, I gotta have help. Oh God, give me wisdom. And God said this to me, this is a, it's a planer. That's all it is. It's like your planer in your woodworking shop. You're just planing the ground. And what you need to do is you need to look at that blade like a planer. And you want it playing this way, you want it playing this way, you want, it, you want whatever you want. And when, that's all I needed. And when I turned around and looked back the next time, thank God it's as smooth as it could be. Wisdom by experience is of inestimable value. A bulldozer driver can tell you that all day long, but when you get on it and start running the bulldozer and putting the brakes and doing it this way and that way and using the six-way blade and you get done, you're able to talk about it because God's give you wisdom. Wisdom is broad and full of intelligence. It's used of knowledge of very diverse matters. You read about Solomon's wisdom that God gave him. He was wise about the trees. He was wise about animals. He was wise about building. He was wise about a lot of things. One of the things he wasn't wise about was his wife, but we can carry on with the message, amen. It's true. But he was wise in very diverse matters, uh, knowledge of very diverse matters and wisdom that belongs to men and varied in things, knowledge of human and divine. It's acquired by acuteness and experience and it's summed up by maxims and proverbs. It's the science and the learning. It's the act of interpreting dreams and always giving the sagest advice. It's skill in the management of affairs. It's wisdom. Devout and proper prudence of discussions with men that are not the disciples of Christ. Interesting enough, we could delve into this if we had time, but he that winneth souls is wise. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, as I've meditated on that verse over 35 years, every month when I get to that verse, he that winneth souls is wise. As I've delved into that, I begin to think he that winneth souls is wise about how he wins them. He, there's, some, there's some sensibility in, in your life and, and I'm just going to be straight up with you. Hey, you come to somebody and you ask them, you come up to Brother Gary, now this is in New England, you come up to Gary Locker, if he's a lost man, I say, if you used to die today, do you know whether you'd go to heaven or hell? Now think about that if you're a lost man. You said you're supposed to be bold. Easy, don't get ugly with me. I understand we're supposed to be bold, but think about it naturally. So the last time I used that, well, several times before I used that, I said, if you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven or you'd go to hell? And the guy looked at me and said, do you know something I don't know? He was serious. Right? He said, are you going to stop using that? I'm going to use that every time that God wants me to use that. 
But I may not necessarily word it that way. I might, I might come up to somebody uh, like I did the other day and just say, how are you today? You know, there's nothing sinful about being kind. I think in our Baptist churches, we need a little lesson on that. There's nothing sinful about being kind. You said, no, I got I to gotta get an answer out of in, in 10 or 15 seconds or 20 seconds or 50 seconds. Hold on just a minute here. It rarely happens that way. And if you were to stand here uh, this morning, your testimony would be just about what everybody's testimonies uh, is this morning. I came and listened to the preacher. I came and listened to the singers. I listened to my Sunday school teacher. And thank God there come a day when the sweet Holy Ghost uh, uh, told me that I was a sinner before a thrice holy God. And I realized I was doomed, destined, and determined to split hell wide open. Uh, but the sweet Spirit of God pointed me to the Lamb of God. And I saw His blood stained on the blood stained cross and thank God I trusted Christ as my savior. Whoop! Now I'm born again. Took a little while didn't it? Get through our thick skull. I got a man in my church that I witnessed to for eight years and my wife every time I would go there on visitation she said Todd please don't go there. She said he's ugly, he's rude. Every time I'd go he'd run to the barn. And then I'd talk to his wife a little bit and I'd run right after him to the barn. Eight years, he calls himself a knucklehead. He said, eight years I was a knucklehead, but thank God for the day that I got gloriously saved. And now their, church, their families in our church, every service, they've never, they, they never miss. They're a vital part of our church. Thank God it was worth being wise about winning him for eight years. You said, I don't have eight years. I'm glad the grace of God had eight years for me. You better be glad he had eight years for you too. We need to be wise. about winning souls. Our time is fleeting away. Let me simply say this. We need to have wisdom, number one, to know when to speak. I mentioned it previously. But I want to share with you uh, just some scriptures. If you want to write them down or go to them, it's fine either way. Write down Proverbs 29, 11, please. Wisdom about knowing when to speak. The Bible says a fool uttereth all his mind. And sometimes you can define a fool quickly. You don't have to go uh, to, uh, can I have a handkerchief down here please? I left mine. Uh, sometimes you don't have to go to Proverbs uh, chapter 14, excuse me, Psalms chapter 14 and use that definition. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You don't always have to go there. Now that is a fool. That's a biblical definition of a fool. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A fool has said in his heart, no God. And, and, and I'm gonna say this morning, many of you young people that are here, that the spirit of God has swept into your life and is wooing you and drawing you and dealing with you about the gospel ministry. If you keep saying no to that, biblically, you're a fool. That's what a fool says. But sometimes you don't even have to go to Psalms 14 to discover what a fool is because someone will talk to you and in less than 30 seconds they'll utter all their mind and you'll go, yep, you're one of them. You're a fool. You just utter your whole entire mind and you've given it no thought. You've not thought about the ramifications. This is good preaching for local churches. Because the reason why we miss revival often is because we've said things that we shouldn't say against each other. 
And we're never going to have the touch of God until we get that all under the blood. And somehow or another, we think at times we're God's gift to creation and everybody ought to act like us, everybody ought to talk like us, everybody ought to preach like us, should sing like us. No, God's a God of variety. If you don't believe that, look at the animal kingdom that he created. What an amazing God we serve. If you don't believe that, go to the aquarium. You go by the aquarium and you'll see fish that has big old jaws, the ugliest looking things you've ever seen, but in a way, an amazing creature that God's created because he's an amazing God. And if you don't believe that, furthermore, look around you. There's no one has the DNA that you have. There's no one has the fingerprint that you had. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We need wisdom. We utter our mind because something happens and we think it ought to happen this way and we just open our mouth. It's a great revelation that we're a fool. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man, he keeps it in till afterwards. And so we need to have wisdom in what we speak. And then I thought about this. We need to have wisdom in what we speak. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy. Happy is a man that findeth wisdom. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it wonderful just to be able to encourage one another? For 20, 30 years now, I've been praying, oh God, I didn't know Barnabas, but I certainly would like to have the spirit that he has. I'd like to have the spirit of Barnabas. Every, every year when I read that in my book of Acts and I say, oh, he was the son of consolation, what a surname. I wonder, I wonder what my surname is. Lord, I wish, I, I hope to have uh, the spirit of encouragement and the spirit of Barnabas uh, uh, that can speak a word in due season. And to know how to say things properly and, and to word our, our words and to articulate our words in such a manner as that they have impact. Sometimes you can, just if you happen to be one of those that are privy to social media, you can read comments and you can, you can say, that's a fool, that's a fool, that's a fool, that's a fool, that's a fool. And it's sad because we're speaking on things that we ought not to speak about. I still remember the day whenever I went to the mission field and I didn't know nothing that was going on. We didn't have a cell phone. We had a landline that had a cord attached to it. One time we went and got a phone that had a battery in it. And we thought revival had come to our house. Had a battery on the phone. And we walked around the house. And I'm not that old. I'm just saying, I went to Maine to do the work of the gospel ministry. I didn't go to Maine to try to make for sure everybody else was doing the work they ought to do. I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to mind our own business and stay in our own lanes and do what God's told us to do. That's what we ought to do. But we don't do that because we don't do that because we're not wise at times. We act foolishly. And we don't need to act foolishly. We need to stay within the boundaries. And the Bible says here, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? You speak a word in, in, in due season. I love kids. I don't know who that kid is back there, that little girl is back there. What's her name? Gracie, bring your toys up here and play just a little bit. Come on up, Gracie. Uh, okay, you don't want to, I understand. You stay right there. 
Come on up, Gracie. Bring your toys, yeah? Bring them up here. Stand right here. I want to talk to you. Come here. You're a beautiful little thing. Come on up. I want to see those toys, huh? Unbelievable. I'm not going to play with them right now, but I could in just a little while because we have grandkids. She has all the pictures. Come see her. That's unbelievable. Where did you get that at? Where did you get that at? You don't know? What does that do? Does that y'all pardon us just for a little while? What does this do right here? Does it twirl up? It makes a little oh, it comes out. And it builds flowers on flowers. Come here, come up, come right here and turn around and let's look at the congregation. I can't believe you came up here because you're nervous. Here, hold on to that. I'm gonna let you go back to your seat. The Bible says if you offend one of these little ones. That's what God said. Do you all believe the Bible this morning? You go back to your seats. You're a beautiful little thing. Hey, hey. Does anybody believe the Bible here this morning? Jesus speaking in a very non-combative way. Excuse me. I've been in New England. It's made me a smart aleck. I need to be wise about that. New England, boy, you get defensive when you preach. Jesus, speaking in somewhat of a non-combative way, said, here's what you ought to do with somebody that offends one of those little ones. You ought to go get you a rock, tie it around their neck, and throw them over the, throw them in the, throw them in the water, right? That's kind of a non-combative message, wasn't it? And all these progressives are saying, speak smoother words. How can you when you read the Bible? Y'all not listen. Your mind is on barbecue. Mexican. Glory a Dios. It's all true. I wouldn't want to do nothing to offend that little thing. Then you start in a church and you're trying to teach all the basics of Christianity and mainly... Mainly when you study the book of James, I'm preaching through the book of James on Sunday morning right now, and he says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty <laughs> and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Whoop. You know what God's telling us in that passage of scripture? The mirror in life that we have that I use this morning and that you use this morning, and some of you it's questionable, uh, but you, <laughs> that wasn't wise. I'm back myself right in my own corner here. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. But the mirror that we used this morning fixes the outside. But James 1 says the mirror that I've got fixes the inside. Whoop. Hallelujah. Fixes the inside. And here we are on a mission field and I'll have somebody come and they'll say, I, I don't agree with that, I don't agree with that. First of all, I say, what have you done in life at all? Because now when you get 53, you can just be a little bit more evasive. I mean, you know, I said, you've never even built a birdhouse. Be careful what you say. But you gotta be wise about things. You can't offend a little one. You can't offend a family. You said, you need to be a man of God. Easy, easy. I'll tell you what people need to fix. They need to get the inside fixed. And when the inside fixed, everything else just corrects itself. It does. And here we are trying to get people cleaned up on the outside. And I believe in that. I'm an old time preacher man. But the truth of the matter is, I've met a lot of people who's cleaned up on the outside but had a wicked heart. And they were gossiping the whole time I was preaching. Now they send text messages while I'm preaching. 
other day I called them out. Isn't that fun? It's the wise thing to do because the devil is so sneaky. He's waiting for that seed. And as soon as he see that, sees that seed, are y'all with me? Do y'all know your Bible? As soon as he sees that, sees that seed getting ready to germinate, he comes and takes it away. Steals it. Steals it. And so I want everybody to listen to the Bible. Not necessarily me, uh, though I'm preaching the Bible. I want you to listen to the word of God because that's where the power is at. And so I'm willing to call things out because I want people to listen up. And I want them to hear the word of God because there's life-changing power in the word of God. You speak a word in due season. You speak a word in due season. Now, I'm from an area, and I mention this almost every year, but they say nothing to you when you preach, uh, after you get done preaching. Periodically, my wife will say something. That's always an encouragement. But there's just nothing said. So much so that when I come down south and a hundred people come by and tell me, I don't even know if they're telling the truth. Because I preached for 27 years and nobody said anything to me. I mean, periodically a little bit. Whenever I mention this, that message, they'll have three people that comes up and say, say it. Because I kind of, and sometimes I get a little bit edgy and possibly I'm, I'm prone to maybe get in the flesh a little bit. We all are, aren't we? And you just, you kind of say something that you're like, you know, I, th- I don't think there's nothing sinful about telling me uh, that you enjoyed my sermon. But anyway, it, it, it goes over about the same in New England. So it's just, but I drove across the mountain last night, and when I drove across the mountain, uh, Alan didn't make it because it's raining, but met a meta grove. Tears welled up in my eyes as I thought about my friend Alan Blanton. And I said, Amy, if it be okay, I'd just like to pull over here and hug his neck. Amen. Tell him how much I love him. Amen. We commuted to school together over at Ralph Sexton's. We went street preaching together. We got happy together. We'd pull the car over off the side of the road and we'd run around the car as fast as we could. Shouting, we'd be listening to the radio, WGCR. Somebody'd be hollering and screaming and somebody'd say, pull the car over, pull the car over. You know, I often wonder what people thought about that. It's kind of offensive, but those are the days we played Chinese red light. I mean, today it's an offensive term. We didn't think nothing about it. Then that's just what we did. It wasn't Chinese red light. It was Holy Ghost red light, amen. Woo! We went to school together. I went in there and hugged his neck. He said, we start at 7. Your church, your church where you're preaching started at 7.30. Come open up the service. Testify. Pray for us. We got done open up the service. and he got ready, I got ready to leave. He said, that airplane that somebody give you, does it need repairs? How much money does it need? I said, I don't even want to tell you. He said, great. We're going to help you. He said, you get on out your way. We're going to have a meeting here and we're going to help you. I said, woo. Hallelujah. A due season word. I hugged and we cried together and I went to Maple Grove and the same thing happened. And you said, you're, you're getting old and uh, you're, you're, you're not as bold as you used to be. Easy. We ought to be growing in wisdom. There's a time, to, there's a time to, when the Holy Ghost says, this is, this is Katie Bar the door. Hey, you're going to preach. Pin your ears back. <laughs> That's exactly right. And we do it all the time. 
But there's nothing wrong with speaking a word in due season. Can I help you with something? You got any due season words left in you? Speak those due season words. I was telling you about my friend Alan Blanton. There was a, it's your kinfolk, Doug. Rogers, what was his name? Tommy Rogers was at Burnett, Burnett, um, Cole was at Burnett Siding. And anyway, the church, and they may be listening. I don't want to cause any conflicts, but uh, they told him he was no longer welcome there. And, and uh, he left and, and he went from that church and he went over and said, what do I do now? They kicked me out of the church. What do I do now? And, then, and he went over to Meadow Grove and he walked in and he told Brother Blanton, he said, I've just been kicked out of the church and, and uh, I'm no longer the pastor there and I don't know what all happened. And I, but he says, uh, he said, well, I love you and God loves you and the message you was going to preach this morning, come preach it in my pulpit. And he, Alan Blanton looked at me and he said, that man was down and that man was discouraged, but I spoke a word at the right time and he's a part of our church now. And the whole time I was testifying last night, all eight minutes of it, he had his hands up in the air. He stood up twice with his hands up in the air. I was talking about the greatness of our God. I'd like to have people like that in my church. Yeah. I'd like to speak a word in due season. Instead of one of these words, when somebody comes to your place, oh, I know what he's doing. He's sitting here hoping that I'll die so he can take my pulpit. Don't be so insecure. Don't be so insecure. If that's all you got, go study some more. Hey, let me help you with something. Don't just go study some more. Go to the secret place. Because the answer is in the secret place. Oh. He said when you get into the secret place, he'll reward you openly. That's the blessing of the secret place. You find out the blessing of the secret place. There's no price can be put on the secret place. Get to the secret place. He'll elevate you. He'll do it in his own time. You'll have a Joshua moment where he followed Moses and followed Moses. Then all of a sudden, it'll be your time. And God will do it in his season. (laughs) Oh, man. We need to be, we need to be wise about when we speak. I, I just don't have time today. What time do we, or we get out at 11.10? It's 11.10. Okay, hold on just a minute here. Look here. Write down Proverbs 18.21. And, and ideally, here's what we need to do. You probably already do it, but ideally, you need to hear the challenge that I'm challenging you with that I was challenged with 35 years ago. You need to read the Proverbs every day. It's one of God's poetical books. Now, there's only a few of them. So you need to have that balance in your life of reading some poetical books every day and seeing the hand of God working through those poetical books. And for 35 years, I've been doing that and I'm challenging you to do the same, especially the young people that are here. And especially if you're one of those that are really making some fatal mistakes on social media, you might need to take a fast for a little while Read through the Proverbs over and over again and ask God to let you increase in wisdom so that the words that you type are true. And they're not ugly. We need to be be wise about when we should say something and when we shouldn't say something. You know why? Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the what? That's terrifying to me. That's terrifying to me. Let's take the life part first, the life part. Now, people that are not preachers of the gospel, 
And maybe this isn't your testimony, but you can be an evangelist and you can be an evangelist lady that goes out and tells people about Christ and, and shares tracts and speaks of vocal witnesses to people. Uh, but when you're preaching and at the end of your message, somebody walks forward and gets born again, you find out that life is in the power of the tongue. It's the gospel that has saved them, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God has used you as an instrument to, sing, to see life brought into an individual's life and not just life, but everlasting life. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. John 5, 24, thank God for everlasting life. John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him whoop, might be saved. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. We had a guy that walked the aisle the other day he came to our church several months ago. This doesn't happen. Everybody that's got saved this year, and we've had four, Miss Amy, that's got saved this year. Four got, every one of them's been in their 30s. So now when somebody comes to the altar, we say, how old are you? It's just the way God's done it. Everybody's got saved, been in their 30s. And one of the men that got saved a few weeks ago, his name's Chris LeMay. He was a homeless man. Now he owns a business. He came to our Bible class, our men's Bible class. We'll have 25 to 30 men. Last week we had 26 and the ladies had 25. We beat them. We're the winners. The ladies are the losers. And my wife, that's her class. But my class beat her class. It was wonderful. It happens about once every three months. But we did win, and we're going to take full advantage of it. Amen. We even made a public announcement in the sanctuary that we beat her. I loved every minute of it. We have an evangelistic Sunday school. We believe in evangelistic Sunday school. You come and you teach people the Bible in our Sunday school class. And so I have a man in my church that was homeless, and now he owns a company. All these guys that recently got saved were all homeless. One of them owns seven companies. You tell me God can't turn the tide. So he invites this man to come after the class. He says, I've never heard anything like that. He sa I said, do you have any history with Christianity or do you know anything about Jesus Christ? And he looked at me and he said, this is the first time, uh, brother, this is the first time I've been in church in my life. Think about that. This is the first time I've been in church in my life. And I said, do you own a Bible? He said, I've never owned a Bible. And I said, can I get you one? He said, I'd love to have a Bible. So I gave him a hardback, some donated hardback. The congregational church got rid of their King James Bibles and we took them as a free gift. They're black hardcover. They're beautiful. I gave him a hardcover and uh, he started coming to men's Bible class with that hardcover Bible and he'd always leave. I said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to work. I got, he's an electrician. He said, I got work to do. I said, well, I'm glad you're coming to Sunday school. I'm glad you're hearing the teaching. Would you stay for the preaching sometime? He said, if I have a chance, I will. And, and I said, no, 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 don't leave. I want you to stay for the preaching. He said, because when I'm in Bible class, there's a lot of teaching going on, a lot of interaction, and it's wonderful. The men studying the Bible together. I said, it's wonderful for men to study the Bible together. Amen. It's my favorite time of the Sunday. 
When I go in there, I say things in that class that would never be said in the pulpit. You said vulgar? Don't even think that way. That's wrong. Straightforward things to the men that I would never say in front of anybody else because it's a men's Bible class. Oh. I said, but it's interactive. And I said, only thing I can explain it this way, Chris. I said, have you ever had something in life that just got in your face? Right here. He said, oh yeah, I know what that is. And I said, well, teaching's kind of right here, but if you come and hear the preaching, it just it gets in your face. He said, I think I'll come. Now that's, that's winning souls wisely. When's the last time you said, get in your face? That's what God said. And uh, you know what he did? He came. You know what happened three weeks later? Whoop! He walked the aisle with his lady he's been living with for I don't know how long. They're still living together. You said, oh, he should get all that fixed. He's going to get it all fixed. I don't know that you got everything fixed in your life the moment you got saved. Whoop, 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 whoop. He'll get it fixed. It'll all work out. I'll probably have the privilege of marrying him and that'll be a story I can tell next year, amen. I'm just simply saying death and life are in the power of the tongue and I watch Chris LeMay find life and not just life but everlasting life. Hallelujah. <laughs> death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then I thought about this. Look at this right here. We need wisdom in what we speak. How we speak it. And then we need wisdom in matters. Now, for 35 years as I've read this, I've been enamored with 1620. Make note of it or mark it there in your Bible. Proverbs 1620 says, He that handleth a matter, let's wait for everybody to get there. He that handleth a matter how? Wisely. So is that telling me that I can handle it unwisely? We all have, haven't we? I'll tell you what, I'm going to do that, family. Next time they come, I'm going to build me a sermon. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be the most unbelievable sermon. And I know none of you probably have had such crazy thoughts like that. But I'm going to build me a sermon. Here's what I find out every time I build a sermon. I don't do it often. It only happened a couple times. I might be slow, but I'm not a slow learner. Because I've, I've formulated in my mind, boy, what a text, what a passage. It just happens to be that I'm preaching verse by verse. And it, this just happens to be in the text. And you formulate it in your mind, and then you get to church, and they're not there. Then what do you do? It just canceled your program. It was a matter that you were going to handle, but it actually wasn't wise. I'll tell you the best thing to do about that, and I've got a little bit of experience with this after being on the mission field for 27 years, is you got a matter with somebody, just go to their house and say, you know, I've been burdened about something. I'd like to help you with something, if you don't mind, as we've grown in Christ. I'd like to be able to teach you about this and show you how to do this. He that handleth a matter wisely shall what? Find, what's it say? Shall find good. And whoso, oh, I like this. This is one of those other biblical definitions. And uh, what's it say here? And whoso trusteth in the Lord. What is he? <laughs> Woo! People that have faith are just weird. <laughs> I mean, they're happy all the time. You said, why? I, people often said, what are you going to do, Brother Bell? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know God's going to do something. 
He's going to work it all out. We need wisdom in matters. What kind of matter are you facing today? Is it a family matter? Oh, I don't even talk to them. Well, I understand what Matthew 5 teaches. Matthew 5 tells us nothing of what happens afterwards. Come on. For the fourth time, does everybody believe the Bible here? You read through the Bible, right? When you get to Matthew 5 and that great sermon, the most masterful sermon ever preached, and Jesus says, if you come to the altar and you know that there's something not right, you go make it right, doesn't have any recording about what happens next. Can't find it. You know why? Because it's varied. But you know what Jesus is teaching us? Among a thousand other things, he's teaching us to be obedient. Guess what? If you go try to make restitution and, and restoration and somebody wants to keep being ornery, that's between them and God. You can let the dove of peace come back and fly around in the, in the air of your life. and Just say, I want the peace of God in my life. If they don't want the peace of God, that's their business. Handling matters wisely. Look here at this one. Turn with me to your Bibles quickly. We're running out of time. We're probably out of time. But look here in Proverbs, please. Same book. Chapter 18 and verse number 13. Oh, this is good. You're talking about wisdom. He that answereth, oh, what does it say, verse 13? He that answereth a what? A matter before he what? Heareth it. It's what? It's folly and shame. Anything good with folly and shame? So here's what we do. Here, and, and there again, you, you, God helps you with wisdom through different avenues of life, but one of the greatest ways he helps you with wisdom, I'm shocked by this. I never thought that we would experience this in our Christian circles, but when you have a Christian school, uh, there, we, we have reached an amazing day in Americana. I mean, it's just absolutely astounding when you think about it. We have reached a day that kindergartners don't lie anymore. It's an unbelievable day. I never thought we'd make it this far, Brother A.G., Kindergartners stop lying. They go home and tell their parents that that happened at school and mom and dad believe who? The man of God that's been preaching for his whole entire life? The woman of God that walks with God? The man of God that walks with God? The deacons that love God? Are y'all still with me? I know I'm smelling it too. It's good. Mexicano, here we come. But think with me. Can you believe that somebody would believe a kid? You said, of course I would believe it because that's where our country comes. You're only one accusation from guilt, preacher. You're only one away. And they're gonna believe the kid more than they believe you as an upstanding citizen. You know I'm telling the truth. And so, doesn't it make sense that the parents are gonna believe their kindergartners? So then the parent calls and they didn't hear this sermon. They didn't hear the sermon that I'm preaching right now. And the phone, you have to hold it over here. And we finally get a chance to speak. We understand this situation. We're going to ask for you to come into the office. And here's what my, my wife says. My wife says, the pastor runs our ministry by this verse. And I'm going to read it to you. And then we're going to discuss things. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Ma'am, sir, we don't answer any matter Till we hear it. And then when we hear it, then we'll answer it. There's your story, there's the story in general, and there's his story. 
and we're going to get them all out before we answer anything. But if we don't watch it, we'll act foolishly. Somebody will come up to us and they'll say something. We'll go, really? When we ought to say, that's foolish. I'm not, going to, I'm not even going to hear that until I know the whole entire story. Can I tell you something? It'll keep us out of a lot of trouble. And I thought about this. I, really, this is, there's a whole book here. Every single day, it's the first thing I do every single day now for 35 years. I look straight up to heaven and I said, oh God, give me these three things. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And then I start reading and studying. And, I, and as of late, I've been emphasizing every word. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And I have my notebook beside of me from the first time I started preaching in 1989. All my handwritten notes, I write handwritten notes on everything. And, and I write down every word. Every word of God is pure. Asking God to give me wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And even after all of that, I find out that I still act foolish. Do I have any friends here this morning? Oh, dear Lord. Here's what we need help in. Not only in matters, but we need help in motivation. Some of us during COVID maybe got a little lazy. We found out, oh, we can do this, we can do that. You said, don't bring up COVID. Well, I brought it up just as an illustration. We can get a little lazy and we said, well, we can do this, we can do that. There's nothing replaces work. I'm going to tell you how amazing our God is. Look in Proverbs 6, 6. God is amazing whenever you get quarantined to study the insect. We believe in this so much, we've ordered ant kits. I'm going to ask you this for the fourth time. Do you know what's in Proverbs chapter number 6? We, we know the answer. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Could you imagine a man of God, a woman of God outside with a chair, Brother Doug, so good to have my mother-in-law and father-in-law here this morning. Could you imagine a man of God and a woman of God in a chair doing like this? And somebody walks by and says, what's wrong with you? Well, God told me to go to the ant. What are you doing? He just said to study it. And you're just sitting there and studying, and then when you get done <clears throat> studying the ant, <clears throat> God says, go to the ant, thou what? Consider her ways and be what? What an amazing word. Go to the ant, consider her ways and be wise. Like 250,000 neurons in an ant. And we have a million plus. But yet an ant, they can all work together and do some amazing things. And he says, go to the end, consider her ways and be wise, which having no God. There's very few people come to St. Man, Maine. I don't know if they're scared of the snow or what. You know, we got a foot the other day. We're getting over a foot this week. There's, it's that deep in the yard. It's not a real big deal. You, life carries on. You know, you have the equipment. I have a 50-something horsepower tractor that blows at 100 feet. I beat my chest the whole time I'm doing it, and it's cool. With a capital K. Just what you do. It's like total awesomeness. Takes work, though. There's nobody come to see me much in New England. I've been there 27 years. If you're not a self-starter, then pray tell me why aren't you a self-starter? Because God's Word says... 
that we are to learn something from the ant. Doesn't have a guide, doesn't have an overseer, doesn't have a ruler. The Bible says right here in this passage of scripture, but it provideth their meat in the summer and gathered their food in the harvest. Oh, an ant knows how to budget. Mexicano, Mexicano, I understand. We're hungry. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Oh, so the sluggard has issues with sleep. Too much sleep. You gotta find your proper amount of sleep. You said, for me, it's 16 hours a day. You need to go back and do another sleep study. You flunked. You flunked the sleep study. But for some, it's six. For some, it's seven. For Donald Trump, it was four. For others, it's 10. Whatever your little habit is, you do it every single day, and you'll know because when you get up out of the bed, you're, whoo. Oh, you got energy that you know not of. I've never tasted Red Bull. I've never tasted Monster Drink. I've got Red Bull Monster stuff you've never even heard of before. Amen. Amen. Never. You can do it. It's your, I believe in soul liberty, but I'm just saying, you study the ant. He doesn't have an overseer. He doesn't have a ruler. He's a self-starter. I'll tell you what we need wisdom in. We need wisdom and motivation. We need to be motivated to build a work for God. You said, wait a minute. It's God that builds the work. You said that right, but God uses feeble people just like you and me. Get up, get after it. The fields need to be plowed. The taters need to be hoed. The beans need to be picked. The world is dying without Christ. Get up and get after it. It's time we do something for the Lord. He said, oh, God, you start churches. Yeah, you don't lay in the bed. You get in the airplane. You, I don't know how you do all this. I don't know how you do all this. It's right there in the book. Obey the word. That's how you do all that. You do what God tells you to do. God may have you to be a, a great theologian where you study and pray and study and pray and study and pray and present. That's great. That's wonderful. That's God's calling on your life. You work at it. But there's others of you that God's called to the foreign field like South Dakota and the foreign field like Wyoming and the foreign field like New England and the foreign field like Africa and the foreign field like the Philippines. Get there. Get after it and be motivated. And if you gotta get an ant colony, order it on Amazon. Study the ants. Study that they work and they work and they work and they labor and they build and they build and they build. I think it's about high time we go to the ant learn some things. I got to quit. We need wisdom in all these things. We need wisdom in matters. We need wisdom in motivation. And then I thought about this. We need wisdom in mix-ups. Only by pride cometh contention. What well, says it now? Let me ask you for the fifth time. Will you believe the Bible? You know what I found out where there's contention? Most of the time. You know what I find out? Both parties are proud. Yeah, the preacher is too. I'm the man of God. Well, now we feel like our president has to say, you know I'm the president. <laughs> I hate to make such a crazy comparison. But it's true, right? I'm the man of God. Well, why'd you have to tell everybody? A little touchy, aren't you? 
Why are you telling everybody you're the man of God? Everybody knows you're the man of God. Or at least they used to believe you was. Why are we telling people we're the man of God? Why are we going around bragging about something? Why? Because we're proud. We're glad we're the man of God. We're going to put you in your place. And what I found out often is both parties are proud. He said, you're getting weak. No, I'm not getting weak. I'm asking God for wisdom. There's a way and a time when you use your authority. And you don't abuse it. There's been people greater than all of us that's abused it. And God's made them an example. Hey, we need wisdom. And we need knowledge. And we need understanding. And for the life of me, I don't understand why these uh, grade school students here and these boys right here, for the life of me, I don't understand why already they don't know how to rebuild an engine. And they probably do. We need wisdom. Know how to rebuild engines. Make race cars. Have a good time. We need wisdom. God may use us on the mission field to rebuild an engine. I'm, building a, I'm rebuilding a John Deere 855 right now in the garage. It's tore completely apart. All the pistons and rings are out of it. It had no compression and, and we've got it all tore apart. And I'm telling you, it's just boy stuff. It just makes you want to just beat your chest. We need wisdom about how to do everything. People today don't even know how to, oh, my electrical don't work. I'm going to call a specialist. Specialist shows up and says, your breaker was flipped. Lord, help us. We don't have enough business. What's that? That's the switch that turns on the light. Just a bunch of dodos. We need wisdom. About every capacity of life. Would you, would you check my oil for me? Really? We need wisdom about life in general. Study Samuel. He knew about all his animals, knew about all the horses and all the stalls that they were in, knew about all the trees, knew about all, again, zoologists and drenologists and all these ologists. He knew them all. <laughs> he had a well-rounded view of who God was, knowledge that he would give him. Let's stand together. The message, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Has it been a bit elusive in your life this morning? Has it been a bit elusive? Well, let's find some. You said, where are we going to find it? At the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the joy.